Hey, Scott and John here with Bible Mysteries. We want to thank you for being a listener, but we'd love to invite you to become a subscriber. Absolutely. This will only help us to expand the amount of people that we're able to reach and show the secrets in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. And if you subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast, you get some great benefits. Access to every current episode, the full thing, even with our interviews and any special events we do. Plus, we have downloadable show notes. We have our community forum and Slack that you can join. And we have our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter. So for just $7 a month, you can help support us get the word out and defeat the satanic global elite. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 111, Creation and Eternity, interview with Gary P. Miller. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello, welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell, and this is the show that talks about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. I'm here with my very special guest, Gary P. Miller. Gary is a pastor of Grace Harbor Church in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and he's authored a number of books uh, to include The Way of Cain, Hell, God's Prison, and the book we're going to be discussing today, Creation in the Beginning. And let me give a little quick show of both of the, I've got two copies, uh, one of each of the two books that I've read, Hell, God's Prison. We're going to have to have you back another time to talk about that one. But today, Gary, we're going to talk about your book, Creation in the Beginning. And one other note, uh, Gary's website is grace-harbor-church.org, where his books can be ordered there. Also, Children's Ministry Materials, Miner's Bible Club, which we've used in our church for our youth in the past. They can be found there as well. Gary, welcome to Bible Mysteries Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me on tonight. I'm really appreciative of, of, of this uh, opportunity and look forward to discussing the issues at hand that we're going to be going over. Amen. Well, it is our privilege to have you here. And I got to tell you, I, I read quite a bit and we, we interview authors uh, and they get into some of the strange and the macabre things in the Bible, like giants, the Nephilim and UFOs and stuff. And it's fascinating discussion. But your book, Creation, just caught me at it, it, the beauty of its simplicity. It's like this is so obvious to me. And as I was reading it, I was I was struck by how eloquently simple you made the the understanding, which is really the way the Word of God should be. You know, sometimes authors write and they get into some pretty deep uh, discussions. And while this is a very deep subject, you break it down in such a way that even I can understand it. So I want you to know what a blessing it's been to me because you cover, I mean, we're, we're talking about things like eternity, uh, where God comes from, uh, where darkness and light come from, all of that. And you just covered it so eloquently and so well. I just want to thank you for writing the book because it's been a tremendous blessing to me. 
Yeah, you know, I, I found that if, if you just let God's verses do most of the, the work in, in, in writing a book, that it, it, he's very simple, and he understands that we are simple-orientated people. And uh, by allowing God's verses just to sort of line up as he lines them up in the scriptures, it really opens the world up to the truth that he wants us to know. And he doesn't make it complicated. We make things yep. complicated. That's the problem. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, the I'm, a very, I'm a very simple guy. I need things simple, and God knows that. So, you know, fortunately, he wrote his word uh, so that simple people like us can understand it and uh, even understand the deep Amen. things of God. Uh, he's going to take us back tonight all the way to the beginning. And he's going to be the one who explains it to us because, you know, he was the one there. We weren't there. Amen. And and so, you know, we, we can't look and see what happened at the beginning. Only God can. And, and he's, he expounds that to us in the scripture. So it's a it's a wonderful journey to, to start on here this evening with you. Amen. It, well, it was a wonderful journey to to enjoy as I read the book and and I went through uh, uh, the second time to notate some of the things that really stood out to me. But one of the things that I, I loved is the fact that you and we'll get into this in a little bit when we start getting into the questions. But um, you really don't shy away from letting the Bible reveal exactly what happened and try to cram uh, a modern young age creation ideology into it and try to explain away the idea that there might have been a rebellion and a fall before man. Uh, oftentimes, um, theology wants to keep that within the six-day period, but you just let the scriptures speak for themselves, and I really appreciate you doing that. So to start off tonight, Gary, I'd like you to, if you don't mind, just share with us a brief testimony of your salvation and how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate. I grew up in a, in a home where my parents were saved and they loved the Lord and they valued his word. And so I was very, very fortunate in, in that, that they, they, they pointed me in the direction of the Lord from a very young age. And I, I, I also knew, though, that I was a sinner. Uh, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And and I knew that I had sinned even at a young age. I, I was lying and doing those things that, that, that were wrong, <laughs> and, I, and I understood that. And, and you know, and the Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death, and that there's going to be a day when God will judge the sins of mankind, your sins and my sins. And he tells us the penalty for us sinning against an almighty, all-powerful God is hell in the lake of fire. And I didn't like that prospect. I didn't like that future of, <laughs> of me looking forward to spending eternity in, in the lake of fire. And and so I, I also realized, though, that God's a God of love. And that as a God of love, he He provided a way of salvation of, of, of for me to be saved from that wrath of that sin brings upon us. And I... I understood that he died on the cross for my sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And I put my faith in that. And God says, you know, uh, for the, uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's a gift that Jesus Amen. Christ gives mankind and it's eternal life. 
And I, I was so excited when I heard about that, that I could be saved from my sins, saved from the wrath of God. And I could accept this gift of God based on what his son did for me on the cross. And, and he goes on to say yeah. that, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ did something. He died for us. And, and when I heard Amen. that, that Christ died for my sins and that he took my penalty upon himself. And now he offers eternal life as a free gift to those who simply put their faith in what Jesus Christ did for me. Boy, I, I, I ran to the Lord with open arms as a young child and said, I want to be with you forever. Thank you for, 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 for the free gift of salvation. And, you know, he tells us, oh, it's not by works of righteousness. It's we have to see religion gets it wrong. Religion thinks you can work your way to heaven. You can't. Right. No, none of us That's is right. perfect right. enough. We can't even keep the Ten Commandments. We break, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness. We've all lied. I mean, so for those people that think they can earn their way to heaven, it, you can't. But God offers salvation yeah. as a free gift. And, and simply by putting your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, you gain access. You get the free gift of eternal life. And you know what's really nice about eternal life? It lasts forever. It never goes yeah. away. I mean, seriously, when you right. have eternal life, you can't lose it. You can't get more of it. You just have it all. And so I, I am thrilled with that God's free gift of salvation and, and his eternal life gift. And I pray that everybody listening to this Amen. show would simply put their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross and and uh, enjoy the eternal life that God gives all of us. <laughs> So, yeah, oh, amen. And, I, you know, it's it is a great blessing uh, to know that we have eternal life. Amen. And amen. It, it, it is. And then, you know, once, you know, it God's got he tells us in, in Timothy, his will for mankind is that all men be saved and then come unto the knowledge of the truth. So we you right. and I have have done will number one of God by by becoming saved. And now it's our right. privilege to come unto the knowledge of the truth of God. And there's a, there's a lot of truth God gives us in his word. And he tells us to study it. And as we study it, the Holy Spirit reveals God's truth to our soul. And we can find out the mind of God. And as we're going to talk tonight, it's going to, we can find out, he's going to teach us how he created, when he created in the beginning. And, 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 and we're going to, it's it just going to be a wonderful study in, in seeing how the mind of God at work in creation. So very exciting. Amen. <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm excited too. I, and it's so fascinating because, you know, we, we sometimes take for granted that we get saved and we trust Christ as our Savior and we say, oh, we're going to spend eternity with him. We're going to go to heaven. And yet we don't delve into the, the, the fundamentals about that. We, we focus a lot about our, our life and serving, and that's good. We need to do that. But at the same time, like if I said, hey, we're going to go on vacation, kids. Let's pack up and load in the car. And, and where are we going? Well, I, it's a wonderful place. Well, where is it? Well, I, I, I can't tell you anything about it. You know, <laughs> We don't tend yes. to, to get into this whole idea of eternity and, and reveal or read what God revealed about it like a, like a travel brochure. The Bible tells us some things where we're headed. So um, yeah. I, I'm fascinated to, to discuss it. So what led you to write the book Creation in the Beginning? 
Gary. Well, you, you know, as as I started reading the scriptures and uh, uh, understanding, some some verses popped out at me. And you, we've all mm-hmm. read Genesis chapter one, and you know, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and then you have this the, the seven day period where where he he makes the earth and and man and everything. But there's other verses throughout scripture that bring us back to Genesis 1-1. And as I started to see these other verses pop out and then to put them in order, and I'm a very logical person. Um, I'm one of those people that like to do math in school because math was very <laughs> logical. You had to do step A to get to step B, then step C, then step D. And if you made a mistake okay. along the way, you couldn't get the right answer. Well, that's sort of how I'm right. programmed. And you know what? God's very logical. God's not a chaotic God. He just doesn't do things happenstance. He does things with order. He does things with wisdom. And as I started to see some of these scriptures line up, it took me back to the beginning. And, and, And I started to see, and then once I saw that, I'm like, we need to put this this in a book because, you know, we live in a society that is so anti-God and is so yes. uh, gives us information that is so ungodly and foolish. Uh, evolution being one of them. Uh, I remember as a child watching movies put on by a guy named Carl Sagan. I don't know if you, if your people yeah. remember him, but he was a famous, uh, you know, uh, astrologer, not astrologer, but astronomy guy, astronomy, I don't even yeah. know, about the stars in the beginning. And he believed in the Big sure. Bang. And, and I've read books by Stephen Hawkins, and he was another guy that the world puts yeah. up as yeah as the authority on creation. And there's a guy now, yeah. what, Neil Dedrit Tyson, I think. De- he, he's Degrassi, got yeah. Degrassi. And you know what? They're all wrong. They're all 100% wrong in everything they do. And they put out books and put on shows. And we need to get the truth out there to, to, to enlighten the people around us of what God actually did. Because these people out there, God says in Romans chapter 1, they're foolish. They, they claim to be wise, but they're foolish. Mm-hmm. If you leave, if you don't have the scriptures of your basis for creation, you're going to end up believing all sorts of hooky stuff that's not even based on fact or real. So um, in, in, in understanding all that, I, I couldn't <laughs> wait to, to, to enlighten God's word and to, to put it on paper. And uh, mostly for my children and my grandchildren, but then it stems out there to, to, the, to the people around us. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, I was... Yeah. Yeah. What, so, what a blessing uh, that would be for for us to have the benefit of, a, even if it was just your intention to reach your own family, uh, you reach the your extended family in Christ, and I'm so grateful for that. You you mentioned those uh, astronomers and cosmologists like um, like uh, Hawking's or theoretical physicists, I guess, and yes. uh, and Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse, DeGrasse Tyson. Um, And it's interesting. I'm going to quote a line from your book, Approaching How Science Tries to Explain Things. You said that uh, in the beginning uh, that that you state that science fails because it attempts to use the laws of nature as it looks at the beginning. God created miraculously 
and the laws of nature do not apply to the miraculous. So obviously that is something that a scientist, so to speak, an atheistic thinking person would not uh, would not buy. How, how would you present this argument to a non-believer? Yeah, yeah. You see, um, man thinks he can buy our own set of standards and using the created things around us that we can try and go back in time to the very beginning. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, God tells us in Hebrews that through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Meaning we have, if you want to have understanding about the beginning, you have to have faith in God's word because we weren't there. Amen. And the things that right. we have today, we cannot use them to try and take us back to the beginning because everything we use was created. Time, time right. was created. Matter was created. The, the telos, you know, they got the Hubble telescope out there trying to look through the stars. That's that's looking at creation from a created thing. You, none of that will work. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. John, God answers that question to Job. When, when, when God talks to Job at the end in Job chapter 38, God, he, Job's questioning God, and God says, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast right. understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? I mean, God mocks our, our attempt to try and understand the beginning. He says, You weren't even there. I was there. You should That's just right. be quiet and listen to me. And, and but that, <laughs> that, that, you know, that's the, you know, that's when I teach people, one of the things I tell them, stop talking and listen to God. And, and if you do yeah. that, you will learn so much more. And, and that's what God tells Joe, because where were you? Oh no, you weren't here. Okay, let, then you sh- you need to shut up and listen to me. And and that's exactly <laughs> what God does. And he says, "If thou knowest, he's mocking Job, and he would mock yeah. the, the, the 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 cosmetologists today um, with with their you know trying to figure it out. You can't. So uh, my yeah. my answer to them is it's God's word because you weren't there, and uh, by faith we understand that He did it all. You know, that's it's fascinating that you mentioned it that way, because science would believe that you you have to test a hypothesis with evidence and they can't, like you said, because they weren't there. The one who was there has the evidence and they don't want to listen to it, you know, exactly, (laughs) because they're going to dismiss him as supernatural and they don't want to believe that there's anything supernatural because of the, right. the, the mistaken concept, I believe, of what, what they call uniformitarianism. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and when you actually talk to these, you know, guys who are trying to use science to, to go back in time, there's no uniformity in what they say or think. They are as confused True. as a as a two-year-old child. Literally, you know, some right. people think that the universe is expanding. Other things it's, it's contracting. They don't even understand gravity yet. We, we all live with gravity yeah. around the earth and everything. They still can't explain it. And when they don't, they say there's dark matter. Ooh, some mystery stuff out there or there's dark energy (laughs) that they can't explain and and so they don't they don't really have any understanding at all when when it comes to their writing when you really pin them down they don't know because they weren't there only god was it's true and i fear that in their exploration of trying to understand and discover dark matter and whatever other Higgs boson particles they think they're going to find, 
theoretically, I, I fear they're delving into the realm of spiritual darkness, spiritual wickedness, and they could be opening up some portals in, almost in the same way that maybe you could entice demonic activity through witchcraft or, you know, a Ouija board or tarot cards or oh, anything like that. You're so, exactly right. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there's a very great are, danger in there. Are, are, these guys are demonic, demonic led. Uh, they are trying to keep people from seeing the light of God's gospel and the light of God's truth. And they are working lock and step with, with Satan and his policy of evil to keep the world in darkness. And they are tools of Satan, and they are being used by, by their own wickedness and combining that with the wickedness of Satan to, to keep people blind and to, to divert the attention yeah. from the reality of the truth. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. That, and, and I think everything pretty much of this world is designed to distract us from having a personal connection to the creator eh, and a personal relationship with his son. Um, and we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about time and, and the beginning of time, as you so uh, succinctly put in your book. But before we do that, one of the one of the ways you started the, in this book was such a beautiful picture because you presented the fact that God promised eternal life before creation began. And since God is eternal, I want you to share how you see the promise enabling us to live with him eternally. Share share a little bit about oh, yeah. that you as know, you wrote in your book. There, there's a verse in chapter one, verse two, where it says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. This is one of my favorite verses, by the way. It, God that cannot yeah. lie. Do, do you understand? Everything he tells us in the scripture is truth. So it goes on in hope of eternal yeah. life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. When God set out to create, he made a promise to himself that the things he was going to create would be able to have eternal life because God was looking to make something that would last forever. God wasn't going to make mm -hmm. something that was going to be temporary and then, you know, wrap it up and throw it away. No, God in his right. love, he wanted to share his love, his joy, his glory with creatures that could live forever. So he, he, he right. makes a promise to himself that, hey, when I make these creatures, I'm going to provide eternal life so they can be with me forever and ever. I mean, 1 John 2.25 also says, and this is the promise that he, God, has promised us, even eternal life. I mean, this eternal life is, is a wonderful thing. You know, eternal life is the most important promise God can make. All other Amen. promises are useless if you're going to die at some time. You know, if you can have all the money in the world, you can have all the fame, you can have all, you can have everything. But if there's a point you're going to die, then it becomes meaningless. So the, the most important thing God can do for mankind and his creation was to say, I'm going to give it eternal life. And that should just make our hearts glow that God, I am a very special creature. One that God yeah. promised to himself before he created us that he wants me, seriously, he wants me and you and, and all of mankind to live with him forever. So, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful promise. I'm so glad he made it. And and he, you know, even in our sin, he still finds a way to make that promise happen. And that was through Jesus Amen. Christ and his death on the cross. So he's still working for us. He's still providing that that gift of eternal life, and it's a wonderful thing. You know, when I go to bed at night, 
if I die, it's okay. I know I'm still alive with Jesus Christ forever and ever. So, you know, I, it's, exactly. it's just, I, I get a little excited about it because it does, it, it brings, <laughs> live in a world that's so down, that's so depressing, that's so uh, convoluted right now. But this promise is something that just is meant to put a glow in our heart. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. And oh, I, I agree. I, I tend to end every Sunday morning message I record with, I hope you rejoice in your salvation. Because yes. that's what we have to look forward to is eternal life. And you know, it's funny. I, I think because people that don't know the Lord have such a nihilistic view of the world, whether they know it or not, uh, they would think of eternity as they think of it only in the terms of their own existence now, uh, not in a glorified body that's going to explore God's creation forever. But they think of it as in terms of I would get bored if I yeah. live forever. And they don't understand what eternal life is. They don't understand the, that every day is new. Every day is going to be an, a, a new day of glory to be with the, the one who created everything for us to discover, explore, enjoy and and create and ourselves. He made us creators in a sense. You know, we compose, we build, we write, and it's just a touch of the divine. It's just a hint of what we'll be doing. Oh, you're exactly right. A lot of people think, oh, you Christians, you're just, it's life's going to be boring once you get saved. No, life starts (laughs) once you get saved because you can allow the peace and joy of God into your heart now and it'll never end. God tells us in the ages to come, he's got things planned out for us. They're going to be so exciting. We can't even think about it. I mean, and and like you just said, we have touches of divinity in our ability to create, you know, we, people write music. It's, there's never an end to the amount of music that can be written. I, you know, sometimes I watch cooking shows. There's never an end to the amount of different flavors. And imagine for all of eternity, you know, I've got plans for my eternity. I want to take like 10,000 years <laughs> and, and learn to be a nice chef. And then the next 10,000, I, I have actually things planned out. I want to learn in eternity. And it's going to take all of eternity to do it. And it's a uh, boy, I can't stand it when people think Christians are going to sit up there on wings with just harps and just strum all day. No, like you just exactly. said, we're going to explore his creation from one end to the other. And it's an awesome thing to do. It, it really is. And what you just said reminded me there, there's another author who wrote a book called Heaven and his name is Randy Alcorn. It's a it's an excellent book because it, it sort of is, like I mentioned earlier, a a bit of a biblical brochure of our inheritance, you know, the new heaven and the new earth. That is heaven. That is our eternity. And he does a yes. great job of laying that out. But back to your book, um, Gary, you present a timeline of time, as we understand it, beginning in the beginning. And while that's so simple, I think like we were talking about these scientists that they're like two-year-olds, they're just as confused. They, they're they trying to figure all this stuff out and they don't know what they're doing and they equate it all to a big bang or whatever. But when you said that the beginning began when God began to create. 
So I'd like you to explain the concept of God in eternity prior to time, space, matter, everything that we understand in the physical universe. Yeah, you know, there, there's a verse that sort of opened up my mind to God. Because when you talk to people about God, they say, well, where's you ask them, where's God? They say he's in heaven. But there's more to that. The Bible says the heaven and heavens and the earth cannot contain God, meaning he's he's even bigger than than the, the, the skies that we see. And there's a verse in uh, well, where, where was it? Um, Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. And this verse opened my mind to the Lord it says, for thus saith the high and lofty one, that's God, that inhabiteth mm-hmm. eternity, it, that God tells mm-hmm. us. He lives in a place called eternity, and eternity is right. different. It's outside the sphere of creation. It's its own place. It's its own entity, and that's where God lives. And, and we find out from the scriptures that in eternity, time, there is no time. God just is. It's always present to him. You know, when you, when you think about right. it, and this might be a little bit, but time has to have a beginning. If time itself never had a beginning, we we would never reach the present or the future because you'd always be falling further and further backwards and through time. No, time has to have a starting point. And what God did in eternity is he said, I'm going to make a creation that's going to have a start. And when God started to create things, that's when time started. Time, in order to have time, you have to have things that change. Time is actually the the, the process of, of identifying change. And that's what creation does. When God started to create things, things started to change. And so from eternity where God dwells, where it's just him. And and we can learn some things about eternity from the scriptures. It says it's filled with light and it's filled with his glory. And that in in eternity, there's no time. It says God is from everlasting to everlasting. You know, one of the names God gives Moses, his first name is I am. That's an ever present state. And God's teaching us that in eternity, he just is now that might be hard for us to to comprehend but it, it's just how it is god is and then from in, 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 from eternity god makes a creation and he makes a heaven and we we see that in genesis 1 1 in the beginning when time started and matter started and space started you know what we we call that the point of singularity in in physics yeah. and uh they they have this point and you know no no evolutionist, no physician, not physician, no, no physics. None of those guys want to talk about the point of singularity because they have no right. answer for it. That's the point where time, space, and matter meet. And they don't, they, mm-hmm. they like to tell you, oh, I can tell you what happened one billionth of a second after that. Oh, we had the Big Bang. Right. But nobody. <clears throat> Nobody will take you back to the beginning. Hawkins can't. None of those guys can. Only God can. And we learn that in the beginning, at that point of singularity, it originated in eternity. And from that point, God starts to create the heaven and the earth. And, and, and yeah. it's a wonderful thing. And, and he, he actually describes the creative process. How, you know, they're, 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 it's amazing. We look at our world and we see space, three dimensions, north and south. God says he created the north and south. I mean, that's right. What we, 
It's amazing when you start to see these things. You know, uh, evolutionists try and say, well, you know, space is expanding and growing and, and everything like that, which is which isn't even true. But that's an, another subject. You know, they got their red drift and their speeds. All that's all that is, is false. But God says mm. that he's the one that stretched the north and the east and the west out. He created the three dimensions that we live in within eternity. And then to, to shield right. us from eternity, he says he put a boundary around creation. And when you see this boundary, and I believe it's water, because he talks about the waters that he genders and he gives birth to, and, and they're above the heavens and around. And then it says he blew on them and, and he froze them in place. And what, what he really built, and, and Moses calls it a tent. And it, 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 heaven is framed like a tent, and, and that's mm-hmm. where his creation was put in. And the sides of the tent are, are, are frozen water to insulate us from, from eternity. And inside that heaven that he built, he's going to make all sorts of wonderful things, the earth and the stars and the moon and the suns, and then eventually us. <laughs> and so, yeah, yes. um, and he does all that with love and care and all that he does because he wants to live forever. With his creation, so yeah, there's a there's a lot in scripture uh, about the beginning, and the beginning yeah. is where time starts, as, yeah. as he says. I, I love that statement. Yeah, I love that statement you made that that, that he's the singularity, and and when we really look into it, it's Jesus Christ who yes. by him were all things created and made for his glory and and by him all things consist so he is the singularity of the beginning of creation you know and uh and therefore it's almost like he spoke the universe into existence you know um he did he did and then it's it's amazing and then you you paint this wonderful picture of and and I'm going to use the analogy cuz you drew just a simple diagram of like a house the shape of a house or a tent uh, which in, encompasses creation and like God's outside eternity is all around it. And within the house is this entire creative act that he did where we have these things we're talking about time, space, uh, heaven, earth, man, and all that. And so it, it's so, it's so foreign to the thinking of the scientist. They don't want to think about what's outside the house. They're only looking inside the house and trying to find that point that they will not go to because it's outside the house. It's the Lord himself who is that singularity. So I love how you put that. They won't go to the very beginning. Even if it's a billionth of a second after the beginning, they're still wrong. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They never go because they have no answer. The only answer is God. And they they are, they're trying to get rid of God in the worst way out of their life, but they can't. God is yeah. there, and He's in creation, and everything starts with God. And yeah, Amen. He built creation uh, as a tent because you know what? He was going to dwell in that creation with His creatures, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a wonderful picture He He, he makes. And really uh, yeah, well, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> It's that delay between us. Don't just ignore that. I'm going to let you speak okay. and then I'll speak. <laughs> that's okay. Go ahead. No, that's okay. You can go ahead. Okay. So I was thinking about, you know, at the end in the, Re- the book of Revelation, when there's a new heaven, a new earth and the new city comes down, that is called his tabernacle where he's going to dwell with men. And and it's, it's interesting to note that right now, because of a sin tainted, creation, 
and, and we'll get into that shortly. Um, God cannot dwell with us the way he will when he cleanses everything and creates a new heaven and a new earth. So I think that's very much, even, even though we're, we're putting it in a simple way to understand it as like a tent or a house, when that city comes down, it's amazing. It's amazingly glorious, you know, but it's still a tabernacle for the Lord to dwell with us. So you you aptly put it when you said that. Yeah, you're exactly right. It, you know, it, it's amazing how uh, in, in Revelation, God says he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to purify everything that we see out there because it's it, it's all been tainted by death. It's all been tainted by Satan. It's all been tainted by our sin. And and so when he finally takes care of sin and death and Satan and, and, and everything is is cleaned, He's going to clean the heavens and the earth and and bring that new Jerusalem down. And that new Jerusalem is just going to light up everything. And it's yeah. going to be a wonderful city. It's, like you said, it's a tabernacle between with God and man. And boy, mm-hmm. yeah, I look forward to walking those streets and seeing it and, uh-huh. and going through it. I mean, I, as I've said, I've got things planned in the future when I get there. I want to see streets <laughs> of gold that are transparent. I want to see the, the, the doors and everything. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be wonderful. But uh, yeah, really he, he created everything so he could be with us. And, and that's, that was the point. But like you said, he, he can't be with us right now because it's been polluted by sin and, and Satan and destruction. Yeah, and we'll get into uh, here shortly um, the things he had to do, the, the, the reformation or the reconstruction that he had to do in dealing with that. But let's talk about that sin for just a moment, because I think that um, you you put it very, uh, even if you weren't intending to drive the point home, you made, uh, you made it clear to me that in the beginning when God created heaven and earth, that may be when time began, but that's not when the six days began, starting in verse 2. And uh, and you made an excellent point of showing how that when God dealt with the earth in Genesis 1, verse 2, we find darkness, we find water, uh, we find basically uh, um Judgment. We find a divine judgment that took place. And so you and I, I think, share this view that the earth became without form and void as a result of some form of satanic rebellion. Um, Why don't you go ahead and and discuss that? Because one thing we find is that there are brothers and sisters in Christ that we that would call themselves young earth creationists that insist on creation beginning on the first day of Genesis 1-2 rather than Genesis 1-1. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, there, there are people, as we call young earth creationists, that uh, are, are so um, anti-evolution that their minds have been clouded to the fact of what some of the truths are in Scripture. And they mm-hmm. think that if you show that there is a gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, which there is, and we're going to go through that yeah. soon, that that is an opportunity for people to put evolution in. And that's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures do not teach evolution at all. So, so these people, they get so, so narrow-minded. It's like they got blinders on against evolution that they can't, they miss the truth of what took place yeah. between Genesis 1 and Genesis uh, 1-2. And so what we find in Genesis 1-1 is God creating a heaven and an earth. And then when you come to Genesis 1-2, you see that this earth is all without form and void. And you're like, it caused me to think, 
boy, did God mess up at the beginning and then he had to take seven days to fix what he messed up? I mean, it's yeah. not like God to, to make something imperfect. You know, there's not an instance in Scripture where God creates something and it's not right and then he's got to redo it. <laughs> so why do we think he had to do that in Genesis 1 and 1 and 1 2? No, there has to be a reason. You know, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it, it's, it says, the Lord talking, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, and it shall accomplish that which I please. You know, God says when he speaks, Amen. he doesn't create things with nothing, void. It, it, it doesn't come back void. But you find the earth right. void. So that's a yeah. that, that can't jive together. Something must have caused the earth to become like that. In, in Isaiah 45, Amen. 18, it says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. Amen. When you read those two verses, then you go back to Genesis 1-2, and you see this destroyed earth without form and void. You're like, God didn't create it like that. Something That's must right. have happened to cause a, a, a change in the earth that God created perfectly in Genesis 1-1. And he did create a perfect earth in Genesis 1-1. Uh, you, you turn to Amen. Job chapter 38, and, and Job, God's laying out this, and he's talking to Job. And we sort of read this a little bit, but he, said, he tells Job, Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? So God says, I laid the foundations of the earth. Declare if thou hast understood, who hath measured thereof? You know, when God made the earth, you know, you know, when Jesus came to the earth, he was a carpenter. You know why he was a carpenter? Because Jesus Christ <laughs> likes making things. And when he made he the earth, <laughs> yes, he builds, exactly. He measured it. Yes. Or, or the end, who hath stretched the line upon it? You know, these are these are plumb lines and, and lines and tape measures, and he cuts and molds the earth right. exactly how he wanted it. And you got you you think while he's measuring and, and doing all this perfection on the earth that he did such a bad job that it came out without form and void. And then he's like, oh, I need six more days or seven more days to, to fix what I messed up. No. And, and he says he does all this. And then he goes on, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Who hath laid the cornerstone? He's talking about that earth he built in the beginning. He makes it perfect. He laid the cornerstone. Yeah. He measured it. It was just exactly how he wanted it. And then he says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You know, back then, when God created this earth, the angels were there watching him create it. And then Amen. God tells us, that, that he takes this earth and he hangs it upon nothing. Well, think about that. When you come to Genesis 1-2, it's already hanging out there, and it's a mess. And, yeah. and did God, did God it, it's almost like God had a workbench in heaven, and he, he, he gets the tools together to make an earth, and he makes it perfectly, and then he takes that earth and he hangs it out there because he tells us he hung it upon nothing. When God hung that yeah. initial earth, it was perfect. And the angels yes. were there to watch that happen. And when you understand yeah. that, you understand that when it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, there was a lot going on. 
because yes. he had to create space. He had to create time. He had to create the heaven. He had to create the, the, the tent that everything was. He created the earth and then he hung it because by the time you get to Genesis 1, 2, all that's already done. You, you find yeah. water, you find the earth, you find it already hung. When did God hang the earth? Well, you know, I, young, young earth creationists, they don't have an answer for that. I've tried talking to a few of them. And, and you say, well, when did God hang the earth? Well, you know, he must have done it on day zero. Well, now they've added another day. No, he, he, it's already <laughs> hung. Okay? Yeah. So it had to have all happened in Genesis 1-1. What, what God does in Genesis 1-1 is he, he just says, hey, I've created all this. And then when you get to Genesis yeah. 1-2, it's, it's, in a, it's in a form that he didn't, he didn't mean it to be. And, and you know, yeah. when it says, exactly, and it, you read in Jeremiah, God, Jeremiah tells us what the earth means when it's without form and void. In, um, in Jeremiah, let me see if I got it here somewhere, but he says the earth being without form and void, it's in chapter 4, Jeremiah. Um, yeah, 423, I believe. Yes, 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 423. Um, oh, boy, I had it here. If I'm not mistaken. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, oh, yeah, behold, yeah, Jeremiah 4.23, he tells us, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and, and, and they had no light. You see, Jeremiah tells us without form and void what that means. And when you read mm -hmm. that chapter, that chapter is about God going to war. It's the alarm Amen. of war, and it's the destruction process of God condemning sin in the land. And, and Jeremiah, he looks out, and, and he's talking about the nation of Israel there and what's going to happen to the earth. And he says it's going to be without form and void, and he's giving us the definition of without form and void. And the definition Amen. of something being without form or void is something that has come underneath the punishment and wrath of God. And that's exactly yes. what we find the earth in Genesis 1, 2. That earth that God created perfectly, that God hung, and I know when God measured it and, 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 and put the line on it, he did a great job. And when he hung yeah. it, it was perfect. But by the time you get to Genesis 1, 2, it's destroyed. The reason it's destroyed is because God has wrecked havoc on it. He has brought judgment yes. on it. And then that begs the question, why would he do that? Why would God destroy something that he created perfectly? Hi, this is Scott Mitchell with Bible Mysteries Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. And if you'd like to hear the rest of this edifying interview with Gary P. Miller, we invite you to subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast at BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks for your support.